0: everyone, it's Brooke, and you're listening to the Vintage Gardener Podcast, which is where I give you tips and tricks on gardening, particularly if you're like me and you garden in Southern New Jersey, which is Zone 7A. So today is December 31st. It is New Year's Eve. And so since it's the last day of the year, I thought it would be appropriate to do a year-end review of the garden. So that's what we're going to do today, folks. So stay tuned. Okay, so 2020 has, it's been a year. Let, let's just, let's just leave it at that. For any number of reasons, it's been a year. One thing I could tell you over here at The Vintage Gardener NJ, over at Wildfell Manor, is that this has been a year of, it's been a year of growth. Uh, I have a website, which is www.thevintagegardenerNJ.com. I have gotten more, Followers to my blog, so I believe that means they get an email alert every time I post I have a Facebook page and my Facebook page has grown dramatically. I want to say i Maybe I had 200 likes my fan page. I don't even know if I had that Um, now. I'm a little over 900 uh, With my Instagram account I have been getting more followers especially lately because uh there's another youtuber who's also on instagram brad from garden evolution who was kind enough to give me a shout out on one of the pictures that I posted and so a lot of people have been uh following me and I and I do appreciate that so thank you so much brad then there's my youtube channel and I started off the year, I think, with eight subscribers, and I'm at 90, so I'm getting close to 100, which is <laughs> kind of my first milestone, and I'm looking forward to growing my channel more in the upcoming year. But the long and short of that is that I have a lot of new people following me and probably a lot of new listeners to this podcast, and I don't know if everyone who's joining me has gone back and listened to things I said at the beginning. So I'm going to repeat a little bit now so that everyone, that way everyone's on the same page with me when I start my review. So this year was the first year of what I call plant trials. And so the reason that I started my social media accounts under the Vintage Gardener NJ wasn't really to become a social influencer, (laughs) Um, which I mean, that may happen, but that wasn't really my goal. One of the frustrations that I've had as a gardener is that it is very difficult to find a lot of variety in plants in store. Yes, I know I could go get, you know, purchase things online, but I would much rather actually go into a store, be able to look at it, touch it, smell it if, you know, if applicable before I make a purchase. And there's just a lack of diversity. I don't know how it is in the rest of the country, but I could tell you here in New Jersey where I live, you know, when I'm going to garden centers and I go to, I would say between probably between 12 to 20 every single year during the growing season to, you know, find is much different and unusual plants as I can. There isn't, I wouldn't say that there's a huge difference between Lowe's and an independent garden center. And quite frankly, the Walmart, uh, one of the Walmarts near me is the Super Walmart and their garden center, they have, they have things that I don't even see in independent garden centers. So I know it's not like that everywhere, but here there's a lot of selection. Um, It seems like all the big box stores have definitely upped their game in terms of the type of plants that they are carrying. So yes, I do go to independent garden centers because there are like, for example, with David Austin Roses. Actually, this year I got, I was actually able to find some in Lowe's, But for the most part, when I went my David Austin roses, I know I have to go to Flags Garden Center because that's really the only place that has them and it has more than one variety of David Austin roses. Um, So that's always been frustrating to me. And so I see you know, plants in magazines and all this other stuff. And a lot of these plants that are perennials, they nobody sells them. They are things that... Yeah, maybe they do order some online, but a lot of it are things that the people are growing from scratch. So that is kind of where I'm looking to go in the future is that I want to grow the harder to find perennials and so have a really like a specialty flower nursery where people can come, see, touch, you know, smell, that sort of thing. Uh, But the one problem is that some of the plants that I'm I'm very interested in, actually all the plants that I'm interested in, because nobody sells them in this area, I don't even know if any of those plants would actually work in southern New Jersey's climate. And so year one of plant trials was me trying to figure out what actually works in not just this winter hardiness zone, but just what works with our winter hardiness, what works with our our heat zone. Just what ha- what happens when a plant has to survive in the rigors of New Jersey climate. And I say the rigors of New Jersey climate because I know that there's a meme floating around Facebook that says, how many seasons does New Jersey have? There's 12. And to a certain extent, it's true. Our weather can be very variable, uh, particularly when we're in the fall uh, winter and spring months. It's just, it's, yeah, it kind of vacillates between <laughs> the three seasons. And so it can be very challenging to grow plants. So that is what I wanted to try to figure out. So, uh, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, th- I could talk about the review. So this is really the second part. Um, I did a mid-season review back in August. um, But I'm going to assume that most of you guys have not listened to that particular episode. And so I'm going to kind of do a, a recap. Like some of the information I'm going to talk about, I've already talked about back in August. But I'm going to do it here so that way you don't have to stop this and go back and listen. So you're kind of caught up. So the growing season definitely got off to a rough start. (laughs) Um, if you guys remember back in, Ooh, when was it? It may have been, actually, I think it might've been earlier than March. It may have been late February. I started planting seeds. I started with poppies. I did calendulas. I did, um, Scabiosa, I believe at that time, it was anything that would have been a plant you could winter sow. And so I, when I look think about all the trees that I planted, I want to say that I planted approximately two thousand seeds. Now, some of those were perennial, a lot of them were annuals, and well. 2,000 seeds did not make it into the ground. I can tell you that I probably planted, ooh, I probably planted a few hundred, but definitely not, you know, I was hoping with 2,000 seeds, I would at least get to plant like, you know, I was hoping to plant like 1,500. <laughs> and that did not happen. So the first reason was that my greenhouse flipped over twice. And so the first time it flipped over, I was able to salvage some things. The second time it flipped over, I lost a lot more. And the second time it flipped over, I think I had restarted some things uh, from the first time that just, I never, I did certain plants, I just never, um, was able to recover. And then, yeah, the second time, for whatever reason, I planted, when when the new stuff that I was planting, I planted all the seeds instead of holding some in reserve. So when it flipped over, I didn't have seeds. And at that point, I was just so, so thoroughly disgusted that I just was like, forget it. I'm just not doing it. Um, so I ended up just seeding things, a lot <laughs> and it wasn't very productive because I just felt like I was covering ground that it had already been done. And so that part was a little bit discouraging. So I did learn a couple things. Number one, I moved my um, pop-up greenhouse to a more sheltered location. Uh, it is outside of my breakfast room, so it's kind of enclosed on three sides, which um, is going to help with the wind. The other thing is that I bought the deeper anchor spikes that I think are like 18 inches deep and I used those. And then on top of that, what I realized is that, you know, because Wildfell Manor is so flat, unlike uh, Wild Eve Cottage, which is my last house, which I had a pretty significant slope in my backyard, which kind of added some wind protection. Um I realized that I cannot when it comes to venting, I have to be careful of how I vent my greenhouse on a windy day. I cannot leave the flap open because that is what caused the ground spikes. And I had, I want to say, like I think I had seven inch spikes in there, and they're the spiral kind. So they were rated pretty high in terms of pound pull pressure but it was still just not enough. It just pulled it out of the ground. So I definitely changed that. And I have had a lot of bad weather and the the greenhouse has been secure. And this is, of course, after I took all my seeds out, but I have been watching it. So I think I fixed whatever problem it was. Uh, So the next thing was germination. So (laughs) in the main, when the plants weren't being flipped over. I would say that I had really good germination. I I really did. There were some germination failures. Uh, So for example with the verbascum, I don't think I put any any verbascum in the ground. Those seeds were so tiny that I tried like the wet paper towel method and it quite frankly just didn't work. And this year I'm going to do those by winter sowing and I actually messaged Yulia from Y Garden and asked her because she had some Verbascum and asked her if she had want winter sowed them and she told me that she had. So I'm definitely going to try that because the um putting them between paper towel it they did sprout but it was kind of like getting them out of that paper towel into the ground was where I was having a real problem. And yeah, so that is something I'm going to try this year and hopefully I have much better success Uh, the other germination failures I had were poppies Uh, specifically the Hungarian blue poppy I didn't get a single sprout out of that I didn't get a single sprout out of the lilac pom-pom poppy either so I'm cold stratifying that Um, I think I did I think I taped it I haven't edited it but I did cold stratify some poppy seeds. Um, I'm actually, I'm currently doing it in my freezer. And so I'm going to try to get those planted to do some winter sowing because, you know, beginning of January is kind of when we around here, we start getting those really, really, really cold temperatures, which is something that I think the poppies are definitely going to need in order to uh, sprout. And lilac, I'm not really sure because I saw online a lot of people seem to have no problems with the lilac pom-poms, but for me, they just didn't do anything. The other thing that did not germinate, or I guess I should say it germinated at such a low rate, were the Bells of Ireland. I think I got a handful of sprouts and then I think one of the frosts we had killed them because I didn't put a single bell of Ireland plants in the ground. And so what I was reading about that, that is just one of those plants that it doesn't have a great germination rate. I believe I saw on one of the seed packets it was like 57% and it just takes a, um, it just takes a while. So the recommendation for the bells of Ireland is that you actually do the wet paper towel trick and I'll look and see, because I can't remember what size seeds, <laughs> what size seeds these, these are. I It may be the type of thing that I may actually make, do like a seed tape concept and kind of make little packets so that basically if they start sprouting, I can just, you know, cut out, the cut the newspaper and just like drop it in the dirt and do it that way so I don't have to try to pull out the, the little seeds. So I'll try that again this year and we'll see how that goes, but I think you have to do the wet paper towel method for like four weeks in the refrigerator before you put it into a cup. So I'm going to start that one later, probably, I would say probably around March, maybe latest mid-March so that I can actually plant them out in April. Uh, Then there were peonies. So that actually seems to be the one of the most highly sought after videos On YouTube for me was uh, starting peonies from seed, which you can do. So I did one of the methods from the um, American Peony Society, and that was to soak them for a week. Then you, I think, then you. Oh yes, you put them in a hot, a warm location for a couple of months and then you put them in, put them in the refrigerator for three months and then you take them out and you should have had like them start sprouting. It didn't happen. Um, I have since found a couple of other videos on YouTube about starting peonies and uh, tree peonies and that sort of thing from seed. And the indication I'm getting is that it actually really takes a year uh, to sprout those seeds if you're not gonna just throw them in the ground. If you throw them in the ground, it's probably gonna take at least two years for them to sprout. Uh, So one of the things that I did once I took them out of the refrigerator in July, and you know, I did it out of frustration because I was like, oh my gosh, these just didn't sprout. I left them in their plastic bags and I threw them on this shelf that I had that was in a southern facing window. And I guess between the vermiculite and whatever moisture was in there and the heat of the plastic, I think it really solarized it. And so the solarization seems to have broken down the peony coats because when I did go back to the seeds and start kind of like, just like, you know, lightly applying some pressure just to see if the seeds were softening up, a couple of them actually did crunch and cracked. So I knew that, that it was working. So... Will I ever do peonies from seeds again? I will because I do have some more. I have for some pe- seeds for woodland peonies. Uh, what I'm planning to do is I think I'm just going to put them in some vermiculite, spritz them with water, and throw them in the coldest part of my freezer. And then next year, during when it gets, starts getting warm, uh, because my greenhouse gets over 100 degrees, I'm going to leave them in the plastic bags and put it in the greenhouse. And I think... The combination of the plastic and not to mention being in actual being in the greenhouse and dealing with 100 plus temperatures I have a feeling that it'll probably break down the seed coat a lot more quickly so I'll try that and I'll see how it works but I didn't get any peony seedlings this year um, at all so I have planted out I think the just the herbaceous peonies Um, and so I'm going to put those outside, um, to kind of do the winter sowing method with those because, uh, from what I was learning in my research, it seems that cold kind of triggers a growth spurt with them for lack of a better word, a growth spurt. So that's, what's going to happen. So, uh, year two (laughs) plant trials, we'll see if this actually works and if this doesn't, then yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to, I'll have to think about that. So, uh, the next thing is a a seed starting kit. So last year I used Prohex. Um, it, you, it's by Jiffy. And so it's like 72 cells in the regular tray. And, I tried that because the, you know, the way they advertise it on the pack is that your plants will, you'll have better root systems, your plants will be taller and bigger because they've got these deeper roots and it kind of worked, but then kind of not really. Uh, the, to- the, the plants that I saw that had roots that kind of went down deep, they were vigorous plants to begin with. Um, a lot of the plants that I had, yeah, I don't, I didn't notice that. They developed deep roots. I didn't really notice. To be quite honest, I felt like when it came to plant growth, the plants kind of stalled at a certain at a certain height. And yeah, I'm not even sure what that was about. But I wouldn't necessarily... You can use if you want. It was not... I didn't think it was all that it was cracked up to be. Now, I did start some seeds in the paper cup. Uh, it was like a little mouthwash cup from... Weigmans that actually worked very well. Um, I also did just regular, like nine ounce or maybe they were 16 ounce plastic cups that I had drilled holes in, like kind of like, you know, solo cups basically. And those also, those also worked well. So, um, yeah, I will definitely be using a plastic cups. Uh, the other thing I did kind of test out was seed starting mix versus potting soil a lot of the plants that I'm looking to grow you know most of the recommendations are you do direct sow. so obviously when you're doing direct sowing you're not d- direct sowing into a you know a seed starting mix. You're just direct seeding into dirt so I decided to try it just to see doesn't really make a difference if you use seed starting versus potting soil. And I'll be quite honest, I didn't see that using potting soil, um, I, well, I don't see that using seed starting mix is better than using potting soil. That's, that's the point that I'm trying to convey. Um, I think the potting soil did a much better job of keeping the, um, the seed coats moist so they didn't dry out and stop germination uh the seed starting mix needs a lot more water um you definitely have to stay on it um and especially when you're growing in a greenhouse which because it is so much water they they do you know they do they drink up that water pretty quick i did notice with the potting soil that it definitely stayed a lot more moist um i think with the potting soil I had really good germination. I mean, like I said, it wasn't less. It was just as good as the seed sprouting mix. So I will be using potting soil in future. I now, don't get wrong, I may add a little bit of vermiculite to it. But, you know, potting soil is a lot more economical than the seed starting stuff. And I, I know that there's a lot of theories out there saying that, you know, um, you need it to be you know, better draining the seed starting mix so that the plant's roots can get through it. But, you know, like I said, I'll probably mix like a, you know, a couple handfuls of vermiculite in with the potting soil. But the other thing is that, um, by using potting soil, I didn't, I didn't overwater. Um, because one of the things I always had an issue with in using seed starting mix is that I always end up having like the damp, Damp off effect. It works like the mildew that kind of destroys the seeds. I didn't. I didn't get that with potting soil. I think I maybe had one plant, but that was just one plant. But the rest of them, I didn't. I just. I didn't have that issue. Um, also, because it was potting soil and it did retain moisture, I just didn't have the water it as much. So, um, all in all, you know, if you're looking, you know, especially if you're doing seed starting on a budget um, and you're thinking about getting the you know, expect of seed starting mix and then the seed transplanting mix. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it's necessary. I think you can just kind of go with potting soil. Like I said, maybe thin it down with some vermiculite just a little bit. But, um, save yourself some money. Let's talk about the disappointment. <laughs> yeah, this was not a good year for dahlias. I planted like 40. Some of them just didn't come up. Oh, especially a matter of fact, the driveway beds. I'm just trying to think. The only ones that came up in the driveway bed were Joey. Actually, Joey Morris, only one came up. And actually, you know what? I don't even know if that was Joey Morris. That may have been uh, red and white Fibuki. Um, But definitely Dahlia Pack just came up. And then actually Kogain Fubuki came up. Actually, all of them sprouted. Uh, the one, with the exception of Dahlia patches, let's see, and my Café Olay, and actually, you know, Sylvia Well, there was just a lot of Dahlias I got that did not, in any shape, form, or fashion, resemble the picture. And so I wasn't sure... If just the, when people post pictures of these plants, they're just, you know, they're, the color has been altered in Photoshop or if I just got a lot of mislabeled dahlias because I was constantly struggling with um, trying to identify the dahlias and, you know, I knew what I ordered and, you know, I'm holding this picture and looking at it and I really had no idea some, some of them what I, what I planted. And so that was a little bit disappointing. But in general, they just, um, they just didn't, they just didn't bloom the way I know they can. Um, the sunset bed, you know, I don't know, maybe that was a light issue. I mean, there was other things in that bed that also required full sun and they did wonderful. So I just think it was the dahlias. I'm not sure. Something about this year, something about the dahlias just didn't go well. So, um, I'm hoping next year that I can iron out those issues. I'm going to be planting dahlias in other locations. So I'll see if it was just a location issue. Let's see. Um, oh, another disappointment. (laughs) Morning glories. So with the morning glories, I planted a few types. I did grandpa Ott. I did lavender moonflower, which even though it says moonflower, it's more of a morning glory than the traditional white moonflower. And then I planted two. One was called Bacote Blue. And the other one was called Bacote Red. Now the Bacote Blue, first off, did not look like its picture because according to the picture, it was supposed to be um, a double. It wasn't a double. It was a single. Um, The thing with the morning glories... They just were not, with the exception of the lavender moonflower in that one bed, and I did a YouTube video on that, they just, they weren't really vigorous, which I was surprised. I mean, you, you hear the horror stories with Morning Glories about them taking over and Blue pacody, Pocote Blue and pacody Red really didn't do much of anything. I got a little bit more life out of them come fall time, but still they never, they didn't, they just, they didn't take off, um. Now, lavender moonflower, that, that was a total, that plant just totally went bananas, specifically on the left side of the driveway bed. It went up 20 feet. It was like growing into this pine tree. I've never seen anything like it. Um, It did not have a lot of, it had blooms, but it didn't bloom, it didn't bloom all the way up the way I thought it was going to. So... Um, I don't know if it was just too leggy or just too big at that point. But overall, though, I was only disappointed with the Pocote Blue and the Pocote Red. (music) Then let's talk about plants that suffered from user error (laughs) or improper uh, directions. Well, what I felt were not proper directions on the, um, on the seed pack. So... Let's talk about nasturtiums. I gotta say, I do like nasturtiums. I do, I really did. And I would definitely grow them again. It'll definitely be a plant that I grow every single year. So um, this one suffered from a case of just bad information I felt was on the pockets. They said that nasturtiums are drought tolerant when established. Now, I'm not really sure... I don't know. I don't know what established means. I guess maybe, maybe I just don't. I got the nasturtiums in. Um, I forgotten when I actually got them into the ground. But, you know, when I put them in, it was cooler. They were, they were getting good rain. So, you know, they were really tiny because I put them in as little seedlings from that uh, Prohex thing. It's not like I bumped it up. I went straight from the Prohex directly into the ground. And so some of them, they just, they, they blew up, they got so nice and big. And so, you know, it was mulched. Uh, There was some, you know, irrigation, not too, too much because, you know, anytime I see that a plant can um, tolerate, is drought tolerant when established, that suggests to me, like, don't be watering it to death because it's probably not going to like it. But it didn't, it did not handle the heat very well. It did not handle, uh, I, I actually pulled out you know, the hose, I was giving it additional water. And despite the fact that I would go out there and end up watering it every day, it really could not, it really wasn't handling it well. It wasn't, and they kind of like died down really. And it wasn't until fall when I actually planted the mums in, if you guys remember that video, I was, you know, I was planting the mums in that area because as you could see from the video, there really weren't nasturtiums there, they had pretty much just like died out. And soon after that video, we started getting a lot more rain and I ended up not planting more mums because all of a sudden the nasturtiums came back and they came back with an absolute vengeance and they just got huge. And as a matter of fact, one was more of a, like a vining nasturtium and it was like crawling into the different bed. And. I was completely flabbergasted. So the lesson that I learned from that is that nasturtium needs a lot more water than it says. It is not <laughs> drought tolerant when established. Well, let's put it this way. It's not drought tolerant in Southern New Jersey. And maybe if I lived in, you know, someplace like Cape Cod where the, 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 the summer is a lot more temperate, maybe it would, it would be okay. But certainly not here. It definitely needed a lot of water. So I will be changing the location of the nasturtiums and I'll be putting it somewhere where it'll you know well I'm gonna first I'm gonna rerun the irrigation lines in the um in the driveway beds but I'm just gonna put it somewhere where it gets a lot more water because it definitely needs that so let's see Okay, so a user error was the lavender moonflower. That was definitely a bad placement. So I tried doing a teepee um, for it to grow up. And it did. Uh, the one on the right side of the driveway bed, that one really didn't take off. I mean, it, it was okay. Just it wasn't as vigorous as the one on the left. Uh, the one on the left got so big that it literally pulled the TP off. So, and then it just started taking over the bed. So definitely would I grow it again? I would grow it again, but I will definitely make sure I have a much, a much taller structure, a much stronger structure. So it's definitely something I would need a trellis, a pergola or something, an arbor, but that's, that's what it needs because it's, it's super hardcore. Um, let's see. Then there's sweet peas. That was definitely user error. Uh, our last frost was very late this year. Uh, we were still getting frost after, after Mother's Day, which is some, typically we don't have that. I could say, I can tell you that the past several springs, you know, I was able to start planting things out in April and they were, and they were fine. I didn't have to worry about frost, but, uh, they ended up staying in the trees too long. So, I did get some blooms on some of them and they're they're beautiful and I would definitely want to do them again so that I can crack what I did, but they definitely stayed in the trays too long, so their growth was uh was definitely stunted. So that but that was my bad. Now let's talk about champions in the garden. Uh, so the champions in the garden were zenias the Cosmos, the Nigella, and the Sunflower. And, oh, and actually, you know, the Portulaca, because I, that's the first time I had grown that. That was, that was great. That was really great too. And so the reason I call these garden champs, I think most of them could be kind of garden champs, but the, it's just these of all of them seem to thrive the best, is because, I didn't fertilize them after the first month. I tried getting on a schedule and fertilizing them like every week, every other week. It just, it just didn't happen. But despite the fact that I didn't fertilize them, I mean, and when I say I didn't fertilize them, I didn't. wasn't giving them liquid fertilizer, which is what I started out doing. And I wasn't even giving them granular fertilizer, except for the fertilizer I did when I was establishing the bed. They grew like, gangbusters. Those Xenia were huge. Um, they collapsed under their own weight and then they started, you know, phototropism. They fell over and then they started changing the direction they were growing. <laughs> and so, uh, I have to do better with staking next year, but they grew like crazy. Um, you know, and of course the more you clip them, the more they bloom. The cosmos, the one cosmos, uh, the apricot lemonade was only supposed to get at at most like two feet three inches and that ended up getting more like four feet absolutely beautiful nigella i think i only put like 10 plants in the ground but i got a lot of blooms and i got a lot of seeds off of that as a matter of fact i think i've got some more pods that i need to open and then sunflowers I really did not read the directions on the sunflowers correctly because I thought I had like single branch varieties and it turned out they were multi-branching so I actually got some, some, some sequential blooms on them and so it was really nice because I ended up getting a lot a lot of sunflowers for cutting so those were were absolutely um wonderful. talk about the vegetable garden so the outstanding plant in my vegetable garden was definitely the pumpkins they were crazy I the one pumpkin grew yeah it it grew like 20 feet and so I have I do want to grow them again because I had some that I did for roasting and I really like them the flavor is phenomenal, but I got to figure out where I can put those, you know, in my garden that can actually handle it going 20, 25 feet. Um, let's see. I didn't get any, I got some onions, but they kind of, I think, I think I was misreading when to harvest them so that was my that was my bad but garlic I don't know what happened to the garlic it's just it just disappeared I don't know if I had a fungus or if something was down there eating them but I will have to figure that out I have put some in the ground this fall and they are sprouting so I will be watching those babies like a hawk Uh, but yeah no garlic and no onions for me this year Uh, strawberries did well I got a little bit of a flush they're definitely taking over and I'm going to have to address the strawberry patch Um, I think the biggest takeaway I walked from I took from the vegetable garden is that I probably could have I could do with fewer plants in there because I think like the way I did the beds of squash and cucumbers I think you know maybe rather than you know 16 you know you know summer squash green squash and you know like 16 cucumbers i can scale that i can scale that back a lot and i think it'll be happier um i need to make sure that i succession plants my broccoli because <laughs> i harvested 12 heads of broccoli at the same time and i'm granted it didn't go to waste because i took some to my co-workers but i think i definitely should have started like you know maybe two you know like a couple one week wait a couple two more weeks and start another set so i could have had you know that way i wouldn't be harvesting it all at the same time uh, the peas did well. I, I definitely have to get a better trellis system because that was something I um, that that's definitely hurt me was that I didn't have a proper trellising system. And what I tried to do, it worked. Okay, it w- worked OK, but the peas were. A lot bigger, got a lot bigger, so I need a much bigger trellis. So I'm going to be working on things like that in the vegetable garden and getting more structure up so that um t- you know to maximize everything uh the tomatoes I definitely grew way too many tomatoes I think I planted like 32 um I'm gonna scale that down next year and I think I'm gonna only plant maybe maybe eight I think I think that's it I think that's all I'm gonna really need and I'm gonna change the varieties that I plant I think I'm gonna try some just determinant um, determinate variety. So they stay shorter rather than having the vining. Um, but overall I was very happy with what I did in the vegetable garden. I was very happy with the yields that I got. And so, um, where I have them, which is on blacktop is not the best location. And so to the extent that I'm able, I'm going to start trying to move some of the beds um, to outside of my breakfast room, but we'll see how that goes. Cause I don't want to do anything and then have to undo it when I actually start developing that area. But um, I'm gonna try to do something like that because I think they'll be happier. So overall, the garden was um, the garden went well. Um, you know, I know that had my greenhouse not flipped over twice, I would have had a lot more plants. Um, specifically you know a lot more perennials because I think the only perennial that I ended up having is the Isaac House blend um, Pincushion flowers those are perennials um, everything else that I that I grew ended up being annuals because I think I started the annuals first um, so that's something I will definitely be working on um, I do have a lot of perennial seeds I'm going to be winter sowing those and so that's what I need to do is I need to up you know, up my perennial flower count because I don't want to constantly be having to plant, you know, several thousands of plants for my own personal use every, every year. Oh, disease and pest issues. I didn't, I had a little bit of a pest issue. There was something eating my leaves, but it really wasn't that bad. I mean, pretty much, just taking the the hose and like hosing off the plant seemed to take care take care of it I just kind of stayed on top of it I didn't have to do any sprays um I think it was probably a caterpillar but that was it and it was just the only thing it really affected was my my Brussels sprout and then towards the end of the summer summer I did notice that something was munching on some of my rose leaves but like I said it wasn't bad Disease issues, I really didn't have any disease issues this year, I was very surprised. I think it was probably because we didn't get a lot of rain because rain tends to breed all kinds of fungus. Uh, We didn't have that. And because I did um, drip tubing, there was no overhead watering and the leaves got wet. So it was really good. The first black spot, like for example, my roses that I saw, was in you know in the end of summer early fall when we started getting a lot more rain then i noticed i had black spot Uh, but aside from that the roses did really well um they you know there was like no defoliating this year because of black spot so i was very pleased with the performance other pest issues. Okay, so I did have some squirrels. Well, first off, I had the little long-tailed servant of Satan, like eat all of my tulip bulbs, almost. I think I had like 15 tulips out of the 200 plus that I I put down. Um, I did plant more tulips this year and I've been watching in the area religiously. Um, I made sure I put them down deep enough. I made sure I covered and repaired the holes so they couldn't see that anything had been put in there. And I did put some um, Some One of the squirrels did get one of my smaller pumpkins, but it was fine because it wasn't going to be ripe in time. I have not had any deer issues thus far. I did start getting deer issues at the end of the season. like And when I say end, I mean like November. Actually, I think it was earlier this month. I saw a deer come over and start nibbling on one of the remaining um, pincushion plants that I have. But aside from that, um, things got left alone. But, you know, next year, you know, now that those deer know that, you know, I've got a buffet at my place, I'm anticipating I'm going to have more issues. So I do have some deer, deer repellents and sprays. So I will be, you know, early spring, I'll be staying on top of that to make sure I don't lose anything. So that is, I think that's it for my review. So I hope you guys find, found this entertaining. (laughs) Um, I hope you guys found it, um, interesting and enlightening. And so I'd be very interested to hear what, uh, your experiences in gardening have been this year. So unfortunately, if you're listening to this on iTunes, you're not going to be able to leave comments. Um, if you do visit my website at www.thevintagegardenernj.com, uh, podcast episode will be posted in there's comment section so you can ask questions and if you're listening to this on um, I'm trying to think I don't know if I'm going to post this on YouTube though I sometimes do but um, if I do obviously you guys can leave a question so thank you guys so much for listening I don't forget that the podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify and Google Play and I will see you guys in the next podcast which is going to be the third episode of the Nipik series, which is on fertilizer. And I will be doing a comparison across the brands of organic fertilizer. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you guys in the next podcast.